Hello and welcome to Film Disruptors. My name is Alex Stoltz and this is the podcast where I share insights and strategies from the leaders who are shaping the future of film. What are the opportunities for getting film to audiences today in an age of unprecedented content, competition and connectivity? That is the heart of the question explored in this very special episode recorded recently at the Glasgow Film Festival. As regular listeners will know, this show is normally in the form of in-depth one-to-one interviews. However, this is a slightly expanded format as we are joined by not just one, but four experts in their field, which is distribution and audiences. And in no particular order, we have Mia Bayes, Director at-Large of Bird's Eye View, the year-round agency that campaigns for gender equality in film. Ben Johnson, who runs Groovy, a media tech company that helps entertainment businesses reach and engage online audiences. Lee Shelton is responsible for all digital marketing activity across the Curzon Group, which, if you're not based in the UK, is a leading boutique cinema, digital platform, and integrated distribution company here. And Eve Gabro, founder and CEO of the new female-led distribution company, Modern Films. And we certainly cover a lot of ground in this conversation, including influencer marketing, event cinema, use of data analytics and how that can be used in uh, more effectively in distribution. Theatrical windows, always a controversial one of course, festival strategies and what filmmakers can do to maximise the distribution potential of their product. As mentioned, this episode is brought to you in partnership with the brilliant Glasgow Film Festival, which takes place in February each year. If you haven't been, I urge you to do so. It really is a dynamic and energised festival, and it was a privilege to partner with them on this podcast. If you are enjoying the show or just want to find out more, there are a couple of ways to stay in touch. Firstly, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Just click subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop onto your device, your desktop, however you like to listen to your podcasts. Also, you can sign up for updates at the home of Film Disruptors. That's www.alexstoltz.com. Just enter your email to receive all the latest Film Disruptors news and episodes straight to your inbox. And this is also where you can access previous episodes, find out more about our featured guests and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. And that just leaves me to say thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy this two-part episode recorded live at the Glasgow Film Festival. And I started part one by asking Eve about the changes in the landscape she's noticed since setting up her first distribution company 15 years ago and Modern Films last year. From 15 years ago to now, from when I set up Soda to setting up Modern Films, one of the big differences is I'm 15 years older. So that's <laughs> that's a change. But uh, the market is radically different in that some things are more difficult, but there's so many more opportunities, I think, to take a film and market it and find audiences and discuss it and have 
uh, awareness about your film, but it's, you know, as we'll talk about, how do you convert that into a, into an economic model that, that is sustainable? Mm. Yeah, and that's... And it's a challenge. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. Is the is the sort of operational structure of your the company more or less the same? Are you same sort of roles and titles and the way you you divide your work? Has that has that changed or? pretty different actually and probably Lee would say the same thing that instead of everything being like I'm a digital marketing person or I'm the press person or I'm there's a lot more kind of movement around how we divide up the films and what's done in 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 between or how we how we put a campaign together Mm. but still yes of course a distribution triangle is exhibition marketing press and Mm. those three things have to balance each other out So. Well, I think that's, that's a really... That's, work, oh, yeah, one thing is we're, we work a lot with agencies. So we have very low overheads, very small infrastructure, and then we can uh, dip in and out of different agencies depending on the film. And, and that way you can sort of grow and, and, and shrink according to, to how a film does. Yeah, so more lighter on your feet. Uh, though that's a, I think that's a great overview and sort of context of, of where things are. And if I, if I could move to Lee now... Uh, and Lee, tell me about your your sure. your career path to this point to taking on the the role at Curzon, which is a you know, fascinating role because you're you're working across digital and well digital marketing, but across a digital platform, across mm-hmm. theatrical. But prior to that, you were working selling tickets for for big events is that is that right yeah 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 so i i i kind of um i started off in the music business when i left uh university i worked for a little independent record label there's people that i knew people that had had some success in manchester and then gone out on their own i thought my life was sort of set up and i'd be off and everything was rosy and then in six months time it kind of transpired that uh you know there wasn't going to be the 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 reality and um you know, in the, the in, in independent creative industries, it is a massive challenge to get to get anything off the off the ground. You know, so um, so I kind of I've, I, I moved to I moved to London and I, I worked for the, the major record label called EMI. That went bump as well, uh, and I ended up working in concert ticketing. And and, and essentially, that uh, is a, a huge uh, German organization called Eventim, and they are a very big. Um, e-commerce platform you know uh they trying to crack the 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 uk market they had done some big deals with um some major arenas and um and thought that the people would come essentially you know we have the tickets we're a big brand in europe we've got this deal with the manchester arena for example people will come but people have bought tickets from ticketmaster for 10 years you know, and everybody knew the Ticketmaster brand and everybody was comfortable with the way that that process had worked and the people sort of stopped coming. I mean, they didn't stop going to, but the, the sales weren't, weren't the same. So it was about how can you build this brand? How can you drive trust? How can you make sure that you give people an experience that makes them come back? Because there are a lot of parallels with the cinema world because it's several different places essentially selling the same thing. So it's about that experience. And Eventim was a purely on, online platform. So um, 
So it's about how can you make that experience more seamless? How can you ensure that it's the same across desktop and across mobile? How can you ensure that um, you know, customer service is, is, is better and better and better and, and, and things like that? And so when I came into to, to Curzon, um, there is a lot of parallels that I can, I can draw. You know, we, we, we do have the same product in a lot of senses as a lot of other exhibitors. And the, the, the venue itself doesn't go out and, and market on a film by film basis. So it's, it's about making sure that your experience is the most premium experience that's in the cinemas, uh, as well as the online ticket buying experience, the online uh, website experience, the app experience and, and, and so on. And so um, it's been a fascinating journey. I, I, I thought live music and concert ticketing was confusing until I came into the, to the, film, the <laughs> film world. It is uh, an absolute minefield, but it is fascinating. And, uh, you know, we've done a lot of work over the past 18 months to, to try and um, really make sure that the focus is on the Curzon brand, the focus is on our owned media, essentially our websites and our platforms uh, and, and, and the experience that we, we give people. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, so you, you you launch films for the for, for for general audiences with other for other cinemas and, and so on. And then you're also pushing people to your platform and your and your cinemas. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, any do you have any did you have any sort of top line observations about film distribution when you when you came in in terms of how that process works? What's any inefficiencies which you <laughs> you feel could be I, uh, you know, could benefit from another I have perspective. to I have to be a little bit careful I think I think that um, you know I, I I think we said said this this earlier I think that the way that I view marketing was maybe a little bit a little bit different from the from what I was coming into so I think that um, you know I see marketing as very much as a fully integrated, and Ben will talk about this as well, uh, activity with technology. So marketing and technology uh, to me are very much one and the same thing. Whereas, uh, you know, there is sort of still a, a, maybe a, a bit of an old school view of marketing as being, um, you know, trailer launch and poster and creative. And so I'm from an e-commerce background. So I, I, I kind of try and tie in all of these other areas, uh, you know, around the technology, around the experience and around the platforms. And, uh, and I think that we've made great headway in, 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 in those kind of areas, consolidating the, the teams. The, the other big thing um, for me was this idea of, of, of our own properties. So the Curzon brand is a 80, 90 year old cinema brand, Artificial Eye is like globally recognized as, 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 as being one of the real sort of leaders in, in uh, foreign language and, and art house cinema. Um, and there was no real sort of focus from a marketing perspective on, on that. And I understand this idea of the, the film is the thing that the people are, are interested, the actual film, but the idea that we can uh, create things around Curzon, drive people to Curzon's owned properties. And from that, we can build data pools and we can retarget. And again, Ben will talk a little bit more about that kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's driving people into the, the Curzon world and the film is the hook. Uh, but then there's a lot more that you can do to, to, to 
to build audiences, to retarget and to understand what is it at the start of the funnel, the awareness campaign, that actually makes a difference at the end of it, which is the conversion element of it. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the big challenges I think in distribution normally is you're starting afresh every time. So you, hmm. so you, you've, you've, you've you know you've you've done one release and then you've, you, you'd like to go back to that same customer base again, and that's obviously something which you're you're developing uh, you know occurs in that kind of strategy. But Ben, let me let I know this is something you're really passionate about as well about bringing that sort of e-commerce mentality and strategy to film distribution tell me about groovy and what, what are you what are you up to there so um we have been working within film distribution now for well, six years and primarily what we got started with was trying to ease the ticketing process from an international launch so we built a ticketing widget for sony pictures and what was really interesting was was seeing how on the global sort of deployments of film sorry if i didn't hear me earlier. But um, what was interesting was seeing that, you know, in, in countries where we were advertising or providing these widgets and we were working with the media agency, the ticketing worked really, really well. Except that, you know, when we were doing a 20-country deployment, you'd have two countries that were doing really well and the other 18 where, you know, you may as well be blowing tumbleweeds through the apps because nothing nothing was was happening. So we realized that Creative is one thing, which is run by the studio, but the actual eyeballs are controlled by the agencies and the two departments aren't really working in sync. So you'll have a studio going out and investing millions of dollars in creating, you know, all kinds of different posters and artwork and lobby stills. And then the agency will be given, you know, one or two of those things and told to run with it. And there's very little in the way of A-B testing or any kind of testing on creative. It's really a gut decision by the studio and then an execution by, by, the, uh, by the agency. And then on the, on the cinema side as well, like the distributors have no idea how tickets are performing until they get a call from either Comscore, which is aggregating all the cinema sales uh, information, or they have a direct relationship with the chain or, or indie cinema. So there's huge data gaps where you know, an industry which could be working very, very effectively uh, uh, together isn't. And what we've been trying to do um, really in the last two or three years is particularly with independent film, which is the side of the industry, which is is really uh, suffering uh, from an audience problem, not from a content creation problem. I mean, if you look at Europe, it's really the Silicon Valley for for uh, for ideas and, 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 and changing stories into films. But the, the gap in the market right now is a lack of awareness about how, you know, audiences should be moving through experiences, where those audiences are located, what they've watched previously, um, how they've converted. You know, there's things like release windows, which, you know, once and it's here in Britain too, you know, once a film's released into a, a cinema, there's a usually a two to three month gap, although that's shrinking, before the distributor can start to market it that film again to DVD or home entertainment. So there's just this, it's a really interesting industry because there's so much wrong with it. And, you know, most of these things could be fixed by making that data uh, apparent. So I believe, and I think in, in years to come, that distribution and cinemas will be working much more 
closely together on the ad buy between audiences. And, you know, distributors release movies at different times. So you might be working on a comedy uh, one uh, period, and then three months later, you might be working on a horror. Now, those audiences aren't going to match over. But if there was a collective of distribution companies working together, building one audience data set, the volume of films going through a particular territory would allow, you know, you know, if they were sharing data properly, a much, much better conversion rate when it came down to getting people to buy tickets or to watch uh, transactional VOD. So it's a big, complex problem, and there aren't any easy solutions. And so what we're working on is trying to release as much case study work as possible uh, to get this sort of opened up. And the first trials that we will have running in Denmark with the independent cinemas there will be making presentations um, around Europe about the, the, what happens when you retarget someone who's come to a cinema site, checked out the future movies section, and then we all send them advertising when that film actually releases. And from the initial data that we've got back, the conversion rates are much, much better. And it's such a simple thing to do. You're listening to Film Disruptors special Glasgow Film Festival distribution episode and if you want to find out more about the show or get in touch you can do that at alexstoltz.com i mean it's effectively about knowing your customer isn't it and it's, it's that K, kyc challenge which film has yeah has really suffered from and then i and bringing film into line with the kind of standard digital marketing practices which are so so common in other areas like you know me buying <laughs> my pair of red shoes here which you can't can't see and obviously you can't see on the podcast this will be edited out but uh, <laughs> um but now i'm now i'm getting pop-up ads you know every time i go I go online for, for similar red shoes so, you know they're, they're following me around trying to flog me this product and why can't we do that in film well we can mm-hmm. it just needs a, a more a joined approach between cinemas and distributors to, to to get that insight and you know we are we, we there's a there's a mentality sometimes in film i think where we're all competing with each other no we're not we're competing with music games you know all, all of our, all of those other options and uh, certainly cinemas competing with the with the netflix and you know the stay at home kind of uh, mentality as well so it's a very, uh, you know, very exciting opportunity, I think, that you're exploring there. I think that one of the really key things is, you know, like we have an opportunity to go off and do, you know, car advertising, soapbox commercials and things like that. And we don't do it because at the end of the day, it's nice marketing film. You've got the best asset from an advertising perspective that you could possibly ever think about, which is the film's trailer. It's really fun. You know, and if you can structure the content in the right kind of way and pace the advertising, you can get people watching hours of trailers. So, yeah, and I think there's a yeah. kind of intelligence that you're trying to create with with the algorithms or with the data is that like, like if I market to you, so you don't edit out your red shoe comment, more red <laughs> shoes, you don't want more red shoes, but you might want a red jumper <laughs> or something. So yeah. like to be able to say, well, you like this or you like this, obviously Amazon and IMDb do it well, but it doesn't convert into a local cinema 
going or or transactional experience. And I think that's where the data for a distributor anyway becomes interesting to me. We work a lot with digital agencies who can do the most fantastic creative, but does that make someone buy a ticket or, or, or consume the film in some way that makes sense for a distribution model? And often it doesn't because I don't think it has that right call to action. And that's where the technology may be in the content and then this this sort of user experience has to come together. And, Definitely. Yeah. But does, you have to create the intelligence within the technology. And that takes time. Which I leave time. to you. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that, that takes time. And it, yeah. there's no, you know, the, the, the problem with digital platforms is audiences decay over time, meaning that like whatever you've tagged them with, depending on which channel you're going for, you've only got a certain number of days before that cookie or that session expires. And then you have to start. So the way I would view it is once you start working in a country, you try and keep it like a bubbling cauldron. And that's why it's, I think it's really important that if cinemas worked with dif- distributors efficiently and distributors worked with each other efficiently, there would be so many you know, new user IDs going into this cauldron that essentially there would always be something that could be used for a future campaign. Right now, you just have little firework displays going off around the internet, around films, and nothing is connecting, neither with the ticketing provider or the producer's information or the creative studios that are, you know, like, which bit of my creative is working best? It's, it's all really delayed in these kind of conversations. Uh, and what doesn't exist at all as a conversation yet. Uh, I'd like to come to, to Mia. Uh, and uh, Mia, is it your... Birds Eye View has lots of different activities. One of the key ones is Reclaim the Frame, where you are, where you've got a, a new approach to distribution, I think, here, where you're you're taking that, uh, it's a bit of a, a buzzword at the moment, or buzz term is influencer marketing, and using that to create audiences for events around upcoming uh, female, you know, Films directed by women. Tell me, tell me about that, and tell me what the you know the objective of reclaim the frame, reclaim the frame is, and how that strategy is is panning out. Um, so, Birds Eye View started life as a film festival. So we celebrated our fifteenth year last year, and um, and that was nothing to do with me. Whilst that was happening, I was a, being a filmmaker. Uh, and um, but it developed an audience, and it was one of the first in the world, really, um, before people were really paying attention to the gender issue in film, um, to only show films made by women. Um, so I took it over in 2015 because I was starting to have a lot of conversations around what can I do to make a difference because we were all, um, a lot of people in the industry were suddenly going, wow, like we thought we fixed the gender problem and this is really bad. And, you know, there were lots of conversations around making more films by women, but we were trying to, we were looking at, um, I was mainly talking to people in exhibition and distribution, um, which felt kind of under underutilised, under-discussed and in the, the issue that we've had sort of managed decline of female filmmaking um, and the access to market and sort of and a long history of exclusion and saying, okay, how can we turn that in from a really depressing issue into something that's positive and celebratory? And how can we also make that audience facing? Because a lot of these conversations are not audience facing, they were all within the industry. Of course, we all know where that's gone. The conversations just got louder and louder and louder. And there are loads of exponents of this issue, and you know, we're talking about it a lot. 
So we wanted to mobilise audiences and say, okay, if you care about gender equality, you can do something about it with us. So we're going to spotlight some great films that are, are maybe getting smaller release patterns and, um, and are really great and are examples of the female perspective. So for us, it's all about the gaze. It's not about subject. It's about women reclaiming the frame as in who tells the story is who's powerful. So it's about writers, it's about directors and, um, and about um, the or originator of the story. So it could also be documentary or um, a novelist whose um, source is the uh, book is the source. So we started Reclaim Frame last year, which is a pilot, which was pilot in five cities at six cinemas. So Plymouth, Manchester, Newcastle, um, Birmingham and two cinemas in London and the BFI funded that through lottery funds and the point is to we use the word influencer lightly because that's it's got kind of difficult connotations as well because it's so much often around kind of social media influence we're way more grassroots so it's in a way more kind of agitators like agitators meets film lovers like combine the two so if you love cinema join Reclaim the Frame, you can sign up, you get a free ticket and your job is to mobilise as many people as possible to buy a ticket. Uh, we stage events and the point is that also you, if you didn't bring your friend to that event and you love the film, that you then tell them and we make it easy for you. We share all social media assets, we share the campaign but, or it literally can be as grassroots as, you know, you, you tell someone, you know, like we all know how powerful word of mouth is so it's also about positive word of mouth so um that worked uh the pilot around four films last year one was a curzon film places places the rider was another um revenge was another um horror and um, the other film was a british film called pincushion so we really wanted to have as broad a range of the female perspective as possible saying the female perspective is really exciting and saying to distributors and cinemas and audiences um there are just there is a significance in the female perspective. It's really wide and open, and it's for it's for everyone, and you're missing out. And to distributors and cinemas, particularly, to say, look, you know, you're underserving your audience. There's people who can be mobilised who we think that often don't know about films, and so so through our platform, through being a film festival and having built up an audience and an awareness we've sort of used that to mobilise a greater number of people in the industry, but also in the audience, um, to, to, to galvanise them around coming to see those particular films. And so we're doing another 10 films this year, and we're expanding. We're going to be launching in Glasgow. We're just setting up when we're going to be launching Reclaim Frame in Glasgow at GFT. So that will be in April, May. And so we're expanding, basically. So it's, yeah, sort of agitation meets cinephilia, meets um you know real kind of grassroots marketing but they're just all one screening each um, so no it's, Q it's built around events so there's one so it's mobilizing around one event which so we bring panelists and then we do some other activity afterwards but it's also about then you know the film will be on here at this <coughs> cinema so if you missed if if your friend missed this event go tell them to go and see it and also online too so it's home entertainment too so that's that's an yeah, overview. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, want, I wanted to ask about the event side of things. I mean, how how important is that in, in terms of the 
how do you make it more of an event on the on the night? So um, we bring speakers um, like Anna Smith, who's in the audience, who just showed up, who's amazing and runs the Girls on Film podcast and is a great film critic. So we always bring a film critic with us. Then we'll have someone, we generally have someone local. So we work with psychologists a lot. That's a really interesting deconstruction of a film. So we create a context around the film. We don't, we want to be inclusive. So we don't want any, we call it A and Q. It's not a Q and A because we think Q and A's are often quite boring, in my opinion. Um, and they're passive for the audience. So it's more that um, the speakers respond to the film and then we throw it open to the audience to then have a conversation. So it's sort of, D, hierarchy, it's, it's, it's flat, so not hierarchical. So we're trying as much as possible to say, look, who knows anything? You know, none. There, there's some interesting people up here. So it could be a psychologist. We had neuropsychologists with the rider because it's about head injury. Uh, with Pincushion, we had, like, psychologists who specialise in trauma, childhood trauma. Um, or, or it could be someone who's a film expert who can contextualise it, you know, within the genre, etc. So we have those kind of inclusive conversations and then we'll have like a fun activity afterwards. So the kindergarten teacher's our next <laughs> film. Um, I've, so I'm going to hand those out later. Um, that's a film about many things, but one of them is poetry. So we're having poetry workshops after that. With pincushion, we made pincushions. Uh, with the rider, we did bandana workshops. So so like it's kind of saying these are these are really great films and they're serious films but actually to sort of making film a little bit less precious. Like that's our problem with the kind of art house circuit. It's in a way make kind of, I resist saying feminising the the film space, but um, but just kind of giving another, giving a bit more flavour to it, maybe flavour with an A at the end. Photography work, <laughs> photography workshops for photography, faces, places. Yeah, yes. yeah. We'll plug Thank the curtain film. Thank you, Lee. Yeah. So we did we did Varda, uh, Agnes Varda inspired photography workshops on faces, places. So yeah, a bit of making those those events feel inclusive, fun, so that the word of mouth is as positive. As yeah, possible. yeah. So you so you you're recontextualizing the film from it just being a a film a film release. It's it's, it's the added added flavour around it. Um, and the influencers, are they incentivized at all? Or other than, is, is there a reward for them bring, bringing in a certain number of guests or influencing um, different people? Well, they get a free ticket, but that they don't get that ticket unless they physically show us another ticket that they've bought <laughs> or their friends bought. So it's really grassroots. It's really activated, you know, in the room, basically. Yeah. Or um, and, and also they get movie codes, they get movie membership. There are other perks, like we'll, we'll give you free films, you know, that, but you have to show that you've actually done your work. So we track, we do track who's, who the top influencers, who are, who are bringing as many people as possible. You're listening to Film Disruptors with me, Alex Stoltz, in conversation with Mia Bays, Lee Shelton, Ben Johnson and Eve Gabbro at the Glasgow Film Festival 2019. And if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes. I mean, I wonder, uh, <laughs> ben, ben or Lee, I mean, do you, do you, word of mouth being so powerful in film and that the idea of that you know we're listening to our our friends as much as any, anyone else you know, increasingly in terms of what what we choose to go and see 
do you think there's a bigger opportunity there for, uh, or indeed Eve, do you think there's a bigger opportunity for um, utilising that, incentivizing people to, to share that influence? Or does it become a bit forced? Uh, yeah, well, I think like with every kind of purchase decision, one of the things you're always trying to get over is that sense of risk, you know, buyer's regret. It's very common, particularly if you get thrust in front of a, I think next time you're in opening up Netflix, just measure your pulse. And the longer that you're in the, uh, <laughs> in the wall of content that falls on top of you, you'll notice that after about 90 seconds, your pulse will start to tick up. And that's basically because your threat signals are, uh, are getting confused by just too much choice. Um, and so I spoke with the guys at Mubi, and I thought it was a very intelligent strategy of theirs to, to limit the number of films that they were showing and make things you know, make it more curated towards the audiences that they knew. Um, that, I think, is a very smart uh, approach. And I think they also did a good job of using influencers uh, for their platform in terms of getting the, the, the film out there. And the reason why an influencer is crucial, I think, in, in, in film marketing is that it helps you get over that hurdle of risk. Um, I've lost count of the amount of times where I've initially seen something and then uh, ignored it or got into the first five or six minutes and then got distracted by something else. Because that's the other thing, unfortunately, is so much content, so many different devices, so many different ways of getting distracted that at the end of the day, the audiences have got very, very short attention spans. Uh, like I get to bed roughly around about 11 o'clock at night. I uh, you know, uh, usually have about 20 minutes to lock into something and if I'm not finding something within 90 seconds on Netflix, I'm straight over to YouTube just following one of the channels there because I know what I'm getting and there's no, there's no sense of risk. So that's, that's the big challenge. And I think that's where influencers can really step in. But I haven't seen the industry using them apart from, again, on individual campaigns like Mubi has. Uh, and I think that's a very interesting approach. Uh, we, I mean, we do, we do do it. We do do it for the distribution label. So the the the, the awareness phase around podcast partners uh, and using influencers on Instagram and, and and things like that. It's kind of a uh, a newer area for us. Um, but then also at, at more of a. Um, more of a grassroots level as well. So we have quite a large member base who are all, uh, you know, film enthusiasts come to the cinemas regularly. They they pay an annual subscription essentially, and we can offer them uh, perks for that. So we might do things like early screenings for our member base, and that's a great thing to be able to offer people but then uh on the digital side i can turn that into uh other other things so we might do tastemaker screenings where we get feedback from them and that might help us to understand more about the audience for a film and help us to position the film but then we might also create vox pops and we might get their initial reactions from from the film just in short 10 second clips and what and that can be used as social content or we use comment cards and we can create content from all of these kinds of things so you can turn your uh regular customers into into brand advocates it's i wouldn't use the term influencers for that it's advocates it's the it's the people that really care about the films and really care about the brands that want to talk about it and that gives you something early on in the campaign that, that you can then 
reuse and, and additional content that is people, you know, peer to peer, that is recommendations from, 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 from people on social media, from friends, from, uh, from advocates, like I say. So, um, so I think there's, there's opportunities for that kind of thing at, at sort of all ends of the scale, if you like. It's great if you can afford to, uh, you know, get Kendall Jenner to post something on Instagram. But, you know, there's opportunities, uh, you know, way, way, way across the scale. Yeah, the idea of micro-influencers is an interesting mm, one. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, you, you don't need someone with five million followers. You need someone with a thousand of the right followers. And if you can do, you, I mean, Twitter's a great, great tool for researching, you know, particular types of audiences or, or, or influencers that have an interest in your documentary or your, or your independent film. So the problem is communicating with them at scale and managing that side of the campaign can be a bit time consuming, but um, I think it would be worthwhile. I'm sure there's an agency out there that's putting together that, uh, you know, because most agencies are focusing on the big, big names, big production values, but I'd like to see an agency out there that's, that's, that's focusing on maybe several hundred uh, micro-influencers for, a, you know, an event launch across Europe for a particular band or... Uh, what type of music? I think that would work very well. Yeah, I, can I, I just add? Sorry, just to to, to say that um, our our funding comes from the lottery, so it's BFI. So the point also is that distribution is really difficult at the moment to make money to be commercially viable, especially around riskier independent titles. So the point of and we think that there's far too much public money spent on everyone's obsessed with production but we have a way bigger issue in distribution. So it's, it's, enough, it's not enough to just find money to make your film. The biggest tip I could give you is put money in your budget. I'm talking about features, less about shorts, for <coughs> marketing, not just in your domestic territory, but everywhere else. Like if you want to give yourself a head start, have money in your production budget for that. So, we, so our money comes from this, the, the audience fund and we don't take any money away from it's really small amounts of fees paid by distributors in cinemas. So the point is that we're not taking any money out of the system. We're a charity. So and I think there's more and more opportunities for like kind of philanthropic sort of support of like film culture. Um, so that's sort of we sit in that space. So I just wanted to make that clear. We're about specialised, not always independent, but largely specialised cinema. Hmm. Yes, we're, we're a privately funded company, but we do rely a lot on public funding from the BFI or from Creative Europe, which we heard about earlier, or we, we talked about in a different session, but that was on the production level. But there is distribution funding as well for non-national European films being distributed in the UK to encourage people to be a bit more uh, risky taking and diverse in film. But I was going to say about the influencers for us, you know, I think we use the, the, the more, the ones with the greater followings as PR and maybe the smaller following that are more niche but concentrated and probably would affect the conversion rate as marketing and then paid previews as marketing if we think it's a strong word of mouth film. So, you know, aside from, you know, technology driving a lot of what happens in, in distribution and and audience development, I think there is this human side that we really have to kind of work a lot on um, and getting people to see the film in some way and talk about it and, and speak to the right people about going to see it. Because we always feel like the target audience for a film, if 
they're not going to go see it, then it's really hard to kind of broaden that base. So it's really to get the target on board first. But I think the influencer side has become really an interesting one. And and if you don't go the sinister route by just, you know, the bigger the number, the, the more eyes you get, the more famous they are, the better it is. You go the sort of other route that's a bit more cur- curated or, or thought thoughtful, according to the film, it can really work. Because it is, I think, it comes from a genuine place um, where people want you to see the film. We, we have this film, Border, coming out next week, which is a Swedish uh, entry for the Oscars. And uh, it's a great film. It's a great, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a great, great film. film. <laughs> well, it was based in Scandinavia. I mean, it's this incredible film. But the less you know about it, the better, the kind of more overwhelming uh, response people have to it and want to kind of keep the, the reveal to themselves and, and want people to see it. And um, a woman called Aubrey Plaza in the U.S. Uh, who presented the Independent Spirit Awards, she went on television on Conan O'Brien and said, oh my God, this film, you got to see it. And she spent like half an hour talking about why people should see it without saying a word about the film. Or there was an article in the uh, New Yorker that said, I accidentally went to see Border and it kind of changed my life. And you read these articles and you see that like, that actually makes you want to go see the film Mm. and how we then as a distributor communicate that feeling or Mia came to our our counter Valentine's Day preview to the film and we had the actor, two actors and the director there talking about it. Yeah, Uh, and and your budgets, how much of those are, how much are you allocating to, to digital these days, you know, compared to other... Well, the, the question might be how much do we allocate to traditional media? I mean, yeah. it's completely like border. We have zero print and print would have been uh, a significant part of any budget I had historically. But I would say in the last five years, but even particularly since I started Modern Films, we've spent so little on print. I mm. bought The Guardian for the first time in a long time, paper version on for last Friday. And there was, I looked at the ads, there was one for Capernaum and one for... I think it was even the Bohemian Rhapsody comment release. So it was just, that was it. And and even even that was surprising. So the I think the independent world anyway, and print, except for magazines, maybe the odd magazine, uh, it's all digital. Yeah. So that's the end of part one of my conversation with Mia Bays, Ben Johnson, Lee Shelton and Eve Gabra, the Glasgow Film Festival 2019. You can access part two now. If you want to find out more about any of the guests on this show, listen to other episodes or get in touch, you can do all of this at alexstoltz.com. And if you are enjoying Film Disruptors, please subscribe on iTunes. And if you could leave a review too, that would be very much appreciated. So that's it for this episode. Just like to say thank you again for listening and look forward to seeing you again soon. As anyone listening to this show for a while will know, the business of storytelling is something I'm personally very passionate about. And when I'm not interviewing film disruptors, I love applying this passion and using my expertise to help independent storytellers and filmmakers accomplish their goals and get stories made and seen. I do this by working with storytellers intensively or over a longer period to develop the project and strategy for maximum finance, distribution, and commercial impact. If you are a filmmaker or storyteller and would like to find out more about how I can help your project, I'd love to hear from you. 
please go to alexstoltz.com or just drop me an email at alex at alexstoltz.com. 